Sounds it. I love that. Bit of heckling. How are we? Are we well? Luke's well. So some of you are looking at me like, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure how I am. I'll see how the morning goes. Don't blame you. Let's see how the morning goes. Hey, God is alive. Jesus is on the throne. We stand in victory. We're here just for a short glimpse of time, and then we're going to be with him for all eternity. Isn't that amazing? Hey, let's have the band up. That's enough, right? That's enough to see us through for the rest of our days, to know that he's really good. I loved hearing the stories from Bridget, from Ian, from Teresa this morning of this is when Jesus broke into their lives. Think about your own story. It has nothing to do, really, with what I'm preaching on this morning, but actually it has everything to do with it as well. Think about your own story just for a moment. That moment when Jesus came and rescued you. You didn't rescue yourself. He rescued you through his grace extended to you. Just close your eyes for a moment. Think about that time. Think about that time. I know for me, it was over a decade ago now, and I can remember it like it was yesterday because it was the time when my life turned inside out. My heart was born again. Everything changed in a millisecond because Jesus died and rose again. Jesus died and rose again. Last week it was Easter. And we don't just celebrate what he did 2,000 years ago. We're celebrating what he does today because he's alive. We're celebrating what he's going to do tomorrow because he's alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. That changes everything. We are in a series at the moment going through the letter to the Ephesian church and As you know, we've had a short break for a few weeks because of other meetings and other things we've had planned, but we're back into this incredible letter. Just before we get started, a guy called John Stott described this letter as the Everest of the New Testament, the grandness of the New Testament. And you know what? If all we had was this book, this letter, it would be enough for the rest of our days. But we've got the whole book. We've got the whole book, but if all you had for the rest of your life on earth until you go home to be with him is Ephesians, man, that's enough. I want you to know that. That's why it's regarded like Everest. This morning we're in chapter 4, and together we're going to look at gifts that God gives us. We're going to look at what these gifts are and how they function and how together these gifts flourish. I'm going to pray right before we get started. We're in chapter 4, so you might want to put your thumb in that chapter before we go. But join me in prayer. God, would you illuminate your word to us today? Thank you that your word is living and active. Thank you that your word actually chases after us. Thank you that your word says of itself that it's sharper than a sword. And it will pierce right to the motives of our hearts. God, I pray for your word to be illuminated in our hearts. I pray would you illuminate our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you guide us into all truth today? Please, Holy Spirit, just reveal what is from you. Please, Holy Spirit, please take from the Father and the precious Son and reveal it to us. So right now, just for a few seconds, just say... Holy Spirit, illuminate my heart. Holy Spirit, illuminate your word. 
This is God-breathed, guys. This word is precious to us because it is the very words of God. Holy Spirit, illuminate your word for Jesus' glory and for our good. Amen. Okay. If you haven't found chapter 4 yet, we'll need to pray for you. Um, Okay. It's going to come up on the screen behind me as well. This is a guy called Paul writing, the Apostle Paul. Many of you know he was a Jesus hater for many years. Hated Jesus, hated the church, wanted to destroy this message. Then gets radically saved himself, has this incredible encounter with a risen Savior and gives his whole life to proclaiming the word of God, to to telling anyone he can come in contact with about this Jesus. And a lot of it was spent in prison. He writes this to the Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore... A prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Great are you, Lord, hey? That's why we sing. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a whole host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does this mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, and he gave them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And basically he's saying we're being brought to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children. This is what it's about. We're being brought into maturity so we're no longer childish. We remain childlike but not childish. So we're not tossed to and fro by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine. So we're not like a leaf being blown around all over the place. And this is by the human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with it, uh, sorry, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow and it builds itself up in love. I want to say that again. When the whole body is working properly, we help ourselves grow up in love. If you are taking the title this morning, if you're a title kind of a person, then the message is United We Stand. There it is. Stronger together. United we stand. We are stronger together. We're going to just break into this section of Scripture, if you like, these 16 verses, and I'm just going to pour some things out for us this morning, and then we're going to pray at the end. 
Firstly, I want you to know that God gives gifts. This whole passage, really, this whole section is about gifts that God gives, but actually how they are to function together and the unity that's involved. But what I want you to know from the outset is God gives these gifts. We don't earn them. We don't deserve them. Anything you have has been given to you by God. Now, I don't mean your microwave oven, although that might have been given to you by God. What I mean is the sum total of who you actually are. Carl, the shape that you are on the planet is because God has made Carl. The gifts that you are, Neil, that you bring to this body is because God has given you these gifts. Verse 7 and 8 says this, But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Not, men, not just men and women. He gave gifts to us. Verse 11, and he gave. This is Jesus, the ascended, the resurrected, ascended, the conquering king. He gave apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He, he gave us these gifts. In Romans, Paul also writes this brilliant letter to the Romans in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 6, it says, We have different gifts, all according to the grace that's been given us. See, I have a different gift than you, Elisha, bro, because of the grace that's been given me. You have different gifts than me because of the grace that's been given you. And Christ apportions this grace. So we're all graced in different ways. 1 Corinthians, he also wrote this brilliant letter. Chapter 12 says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. So when, what I want to say as well connected to this, when we're looking at gifts, when we're thinking of gifts, um, we're talking about people, okay? We're, we're talking about the package of a person. We're, we're talking about people. God, it, we, we mustn't primarily look at what someone can do for you. It's actually who the person is. That's the gift, God's gift is always wrapped up in skin. Jesus was God's gift to us, wrapped up in skin. You are God's gift to this family, wrapped up. Thank you, Luke. I am. Wrapped up in skin. We are people given by God. And we need to shed away with what we can do for one another. How do you perform for me? How do I perform for you? Rather than... This is who you are. Also, whatever we're given, I've already alluded to this, whatever we're given, whatever talents, gifts, and abilities we have, we've not earned them. I'm, anyone grateful for that? A few of us grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Sian. The PA desk, he's like, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this. This is how it works. The gift of salvation was freely given to us. Man, I, I got saved as a cocaine addict. That's amazing, right? How about you? How did you get saved? Did you earn it? Did you deserve it? I certainly didn't. Yet God's saving mercy meant that Jesus grabbed me out of my sin and pulled me into himself. So, from salvation, we did not earn this thing. It is the grace of God. And grace means that he actually gives us gifts through his grace as well. So whether it's 
the layer of new birth or the abilities that we're given, both are given freely by God. And when we know we didn't earn them, we know we don't need to perform for them. Let me say that again. When we know we didn't earn them, I don't need to stress myself to try and perform to keep them. Because I'm who God made me to be. So it's actually a deeper revelation God takes us into to realize who we actually are and we can rest in that grace. We didn't earn or deserve them. It's simply the nature of grace. Who loves grace? Man, I adore grace. His mercies are new every morning for us. Great is his faithfulness. God, our loving Heavenly Father, he loves to give us good stuff. He, he just loves it. In this text, we see how God gave some specific gifts, or let me be spe- some specific people. So he talks about how God gave, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. There are five different peoples mentioned there, five different shapes, five different gifts, but this isn't an exhaustive list by no means. Elsewhere in the scriptures, in particularly Romans and 1 Corinthians, we see a multitude of other gifts listed. And I'm going to describe a couple right now. I know every Sunday we'd want, we want God to speak to us, but I'm going to say it again now. As I, as I just kind of read off some of these lists as a bullet point, I want you to be open to God this morning. Maybe he's going to remind you afresh of what your contribution to the body is. Maybe it's going to come brand new to you this morning. As I read some of these off, I wonder whether some of you might go, hey man, that's, that's me. That one is me. Or there might be a splattering of several. Splattering. Another gift is hospitality. What a cool gift. The gift of hospitality. God gives gifts of people that are hospitable. Another one is mercy. Is that you? Another one is faith. Believe it or not, God gives the gift of faith. Another one is healing. God gives us the gift of healing. Another one, leadership. Generosity. I come across so many generous people because I believe it's a gift. Another one, teaching, that's mentioned again. Serving, contributing to the needs of others, discerning between spirits, encouragement, wisdom, knowledge. I love this one. I want this one. Miraculous powers. Anyone else want that one? Yeah, come. The ones that didn't put their hand up, why don't you want that one? I'd love to be able to go bunk and then transport myself into the other room. And I'm sure some of you would still sit there and go, that wasn't impressive. The gift of miraculous powers, like Captain America or something. You know, we see that in the scriptures, even his shadow healed people. You know, we, we've got the book down there. We've, we've got the book, yet we are cynical when we read it. Peter's shadow, even his shadow caused healing to break out. This is miraculous powers that the Holy Spirit gives. And the gift of prophecy is another one. Again, I don't believe this is an exhaustive list, but it gives us some insight, doesn't it, into the variety, the difference, the the different ways that God skills us up to live for him. 
Sometimes we can be one of these primary gifts, but for many, there's a bit of a pick and mix, if you like. I know this is true for me. Give you my personal story. I believe with all my heart I've come to a place of real peace to know that my primary gift is encouragement. So often we chase after other gifts. We look at someone else and go, man, I wish I was like Sarah. I wish I was like Gary. We, we can do that, right? But I know the shape that God has called me to be, and I know as the primary, my gift is encouragement. That is how God has fashioned me to be. I love doing it. That's a hint. I love encouraging people. It encourages me. Second, secondly, I feel like there's something of the prophetic gift growing in me. Much more of a secondary gift. But everything hangs off this encouragement. I've got a heart for evangelism. What do I mean by that? Telling people about Jesus that don't know him. When I can be in a room full of people that don't know Jesus and somehow present our king, something in me comes alive. How about you? That's just me. But all of these secondary things, all of these packaged gifts come under the hanger of encouragement. What about you? I want you to think for a moment. Who are you? What is your shape? What is your unique flair that God has called you to be? You know, when you know who you are, when you really know who you are, you can be at peace with who you are. Striving ceases. Striving ceases. You can be at peace and you can live in contentment because you suddenly know, man, these are the clothes I'm meant to wear. Not to, I'm not meant to wear Mule's clothes. He's not meant to wear my clothes. I'm not looking at any women. That would have been awkward. <laughs> you know, we're not meant to try and go, man, I, I want your clothes. No, no, God has fashioned my clothes. God has fashioned my shape, my size. And he wants me, he wants you, he wants us to be at peace with who we are, our unique contribution. When you fully know who you are, you can fully show up. You can, you can express your contribution to its fullest. So God gives gifts. And he, he smatters them out. He splatters them across his church. He, he sheds them out abroad and they're freely given. What's yours? Second thing I want us to look at, is why do we have these gifts? Why does he give gifts? If he is sovereign ruler of the world, then why do we need them? Why don't we all just look the same and we all go, yes, boss? And he does it. This is the beauty of our king. I'd do that if I was God. I'd just make everyone minions. Simple. And then just get them to follow orders. But what kind of love is that? What kind of love does that? He wants a, a house full of sons and daughters. He wants a home where he abides, full of accepted and freed up and uh, welcomed home sons and daughters. So he chooses to give us all different things. But why? Why does he do it? Why does he give us different skills and abilities? Back into this text, chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. He gives us these gifts to equip the saints for work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So he gives us these gifts for the work of ministry and for the building up of the body of Christ. 
And in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, to each was given the manifestation for the common good. So we're told that these gifts are actually given to equip us, to build us up, to lead us into the full reality of maturity, and it's all for the common good. Just look around just for a moment. All sorts of different faces, races, colors, flares, shapes, sizes, backgrounds, genders. There's two genders. Just, please, just look around just for a moment. I know it's like you don't want to have eye contact too long, otherwise you start creeping people out. <laughs> or maybe you want to be that person who just stares at someone. <laughs> Kev, I'm just going to do this for the rest of the morning. We're told that these gifts are to equip, to build, to bless, to do us good, to encourage, and it's for the common good. This beautiful array of people, my family, we're family, right? We are together, brought together, to bring our contributions of one another, not what we do, but who we are, and it's all for the common good. So, this is how it works. My gifts are to help bless, build, and equip, and do you good, and your gifts are to bless, build, equip, and do me good. That's how it works. We're equipped, it says, for the work of ministry. I want to be really careful how I handle this so I'm not misunderstood. I, my personal view doesn't, I don't think this means uh, equipped for work of ministry. It means to fill rotors. Children's rotors. So I'm trying not to have eye contact with people because I know we always need children's workers. But, but it's far deeper than that. As, as precious as that is, please don't misunderstand me. Please get into rotors. Please serve in any area you can. But when, it, when he's talking about being equipped for work of ministry, I, I believe it's being equipped to live and love and lead like Jesus. I really do. Because we're being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another, right? So we are being equipped. We're being brought into maturity. We're being developed and equipped to live like Jesus. And that might mean serving on the children's team. Absolutely. But I think it's more about when we're outside of the four walls of this building, we are thinking like Jesus. We're loving like Jesus. We're caring like Jesus. We're healing like Jesus. We're speaking life like Jesus. Do you know when Hannah started saying earlier about just breathe it in, breathe it in. You know, we've got Jesus, the spirit of Jesus within us. And you know I bang on about this a lot, but this is, I feel like, what I'm passionate about. Wherever we go, he goes. So we are being equipped for ministry to learn, to have this revelation that, man, Monday morning, wherever I am, Jesus is. Because I carry his presence within me. So I believe this being equipped for work of ministry, this coming together for our gifts to be shared, is pulling us into maturity so we all, corporately, together, look, smell like, Live like Jesus. Also in Romans and 1 Corinthians, it says that we who are many, we form one body. And I, I adore that. You know, we who are many form, form one body. And, and we come together to form one unit. There's not just a few, and, and there's people on the fringes, and there's some important people and some lesser. That's never how it works in his kingdom. 
That's not how our father's family works. I'm no more important than you, and you're no more important than me. We've just got different stuff to do in the family. We're all part of our dad's business, right? So when we come together, it says, we who are many form one body. And I'm going to paraphrase, but it says in this text that the hand can't say to the knee, I don't need you. And the foot can't say to the nose, I don't need you. Random. I know. We need each other, right? So the church is the body. God wants us to function as a body where every member is valued. Every member is celebrated. Every member is welcomed and cherished. Everyone important. Every single contribution needed. Ever smashed your little finger with a hammer? Yeah, it smarts, doesn't it? When one weeps, they all weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's how we who are many form one body. Every member needed for this whole gig to flourish. And I absolutely love the heart of God because his heart is that it's all for the common good. I've touched on this already. But it's always about blessing others. You know, how it works in the kingdom. In the world, very often, it's like, what do I get to bless me? But the way it works in the kingdom, it's flip side. It's often like, this is what I have to bless you. It's always about giving away what you have. God gives us things so we can give them away freely. So what shape are you? What gift are you? Because God just wants you to keep giving that, giving that away for the common good. It's like a domino effect. You know, I'm skilled to skill you up. You're skilled to skill me up. And a good way to exercise, or a good motive, if I can say it this way, is to have, hey, how can I serve others? That's a great motive to have. As part of this body, I'm the ear. How can I serve the rest of the head? I'm the knee. How can I serve the rest of the leg? That's a great motive to carry. Rather than, hey, this is my gift. Where can I use it for me? It's no, where can I serve? How can I help you lot flourish? How can I give away what I have? So our gifts are best expressed as we give ourselves to others. So this is how it works. If you are someone who knows that your gift is encouragement, it's not rocket science this morning. Just encourage people. Don't look for it to be pulled out of you. Just be who you are. If your gift is mercy, look for every given way to extend mercy. If your gift is wisdom, look to bring good, godly, sound counsel to people all around you. If your gift is faith, man, move mountains. Move mountains. I long to see the dead raised, don't you? I long to see cancers driven out. If your gift is faith, provoke us here. If your gift is healing, get your hands on people in every appropriate way and pray that God would restore them. If your gift is generosity, then give away. Just give away your time, your resources, your money, your, your energy, your love. If it's discerning between spirits, some of you know this is you because you can walk into a room and you can read it without anyone else noticing. Because you're picking up between good and evil. We need to be aware to this. Some people can pick up atmospheres. They just go in and go, man, I just feel, I feel depressed. I didn't when I first walked in, but I do now. 
Maybe you've got the gift of discerning between spirits. And if that's you, speak what is from God into that situation. Maybe it's prophecy. If it is, don't just look at prophecy being contained to a Sunday morning saying a few words on this microphone. As wonderful as that is. I long for the day like Ezekiel when God says, what do you see? And he says, I see dry bones. He says, what do you think you need to do, Ezekiel? Maybe I need to speak to the dry bones. We're out there full of dry bones. Hastings is full of dry bones. I long to see prophetic ministry break out from the walls of this church and see people in Tesco's healed, to see, to see people meet with God out on the streets because we carry that within us. So if your gift is of a prophet or prophecy, just prophesy. Don't look to always, I can't quite do it on a Sunday. It's far deeper than that. I'll leave that there. So gifts are given by God. They're given for the common good to help build, bless, and do us all good. And we finish with this last heading. How do we best function together? How, how do these gifts best function? How do we, folks, friends, how do we best function together? Well, there's a key ingredient for it all, and that is unity. It's an easy little word to bounce around, but I want to describe it a little bit to you. The key ingredient that I see in this text is unity. The opening verses from chapter 4 again speaks of unity. Listen to this. This is Paul speaking. I, therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. This speaks of unity. Verse 13 says, until we all attain the unity of the faith. Paul is passionate about unity because I believe God is passionate about unity. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. We see that in the Scriptures. Unity is key for our maturity. If you want to mature as a follower, as a son or daughter of God, as a follower of Christ, unity is key for you. Unity is key for our uh, growth in the faith. Unity is key for our spiritual health. I picked out some dictionary definitions. This isn't the Bible. This is just the dictionary. But this is one. Listen to this. The, the act, state, or quality of forming a whole from separate parts. That's how unity is defined. The, the state or quality of forming a whole from separate parts. Remember what I said earlier, we who are many separate parts, we form one whole. And it's about unity, not uniformity. The two are very different. Uniformity says, you've all got to look the same. Uniformity is actually about control. Because it says you've got to look the same, sound the same, smell the same, speak the same. That's uniformity. But unity is actually about uh, equip, equipping and empowerment, I believe, because it's about somehow accepting diversity through challenges. It's, it's about accepting and welcoming and celebrating difference rather than putting up barriers and walls, as we were speaking about earlier, brother. 
So this is how it works, to fully accept difference without being threatened by it. If you are anything like me, it's so easily to get threatened by someone else. I don't mean physically. I just mean who they are. So that this is how unity works, that I can fully accept you without being threatened by you. And, and you can fully accept me without being threatened by me. Two little statements I've said there, and I wonder whether this is a huge issue for us at times. That I can accept you without being threatened, and you can accept me without being threatened. So I just want to ask you, how are you with this? How are you with diversity? How are you with difference? How are you with welcoming change? How are you with, man, I'll leave that with you, that question, just for a moment to let, let it settle in a little bit. Do you welcome difference or are you threatened by it? I want to read you something from one of the messages earlier in the series from when Paul preached. Great message entitled From Hostility to Peace. And it so links into this, I think. He mentioned if you're not close enough to people in the church to be, if you're not close enough uh, in the church to be getting wound up by someone, then you're probably not close enough. We're meant to be family together. People from different backgrounds doing life together, no longer alienated from God. We are built together. It means that we set aside our preferences. It's, on, it's the only way it works. Normally what happens, and this was just outrageous, listen to this. Normally what happens in church is when we disagree, we divide. There are over 40,000 different Protestant movements in the world. Isn't that shocking? When people get hurt by church, they often run away or they leave the church altogether, finding another one. We can be so quick to judge, so quick to put barriers up between ourselves and other people, but what we're called to be is to bear with one another in love. The Apostle Paul encourages us in this text, right at the start, he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, friends, family, we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And that manner is humility. That manner is gentleness. That manner is patience. And that manner is bearing with one another in love. That's what Paul writes here. Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other in love. These incredible virtues help define to us what unity on the ground looks like. We who are many form one body. And there is real power when we stand united. There is real power when we are family from many backgrounds, many gifts that we come together. We've got encouragers. We've got prophets. We've got evangelists. We've got the, those with the gift of mercy, those with generosity, those with serving. Those with, we come together and there's power when we can learn to celebrate diversity when I can learn to say, Bonnie, my dear sister, I love everything you bring to this family. I don't want you to be anything other than Bonnie because that's the Bonnie that God's created. Come on, let's get you in. And when we're doing that to each other, there's power. There is nothing like the church on the face of the planet. Do you agree with that? The world looks in. You look at the news, what's happening across the world. There is nothing like his family. There is nothing like the body of Christ when it's united. 
Because everyone looks in and goes, man, what's different about you? Our friends that don't know Jesus will often ask me and Emma, why do you guys do this? Why? Why do you do that? Why do you make meals for each other when someone has a baby? You know, that simple act speaks volumes. The world is watching. When these various gifts come together, join together, working together, pulling together, when we're all doing our very unique bit, there is real power, but it runs much deeper. And we're going to finish with a few more comments, then we're going to pray together. It runs much deeper than just our being united, as awesome as that is. Ephesians 2.22 tells us that we are actually like living stones being built together into a home where God lives by his spirit. Isn't that incredible? We are actually living stones being built together where God lives. So ultimately, our unity comes from being united with him. That's God. That's Jesus. This body, look around this this sum total that makes up one body is connected to a head. And that head, like it says in this text, is Christ. It says in Ephesians 4, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. So that's what we're being built towards. That's what all of our contribution does when it comes together. We are growing up into one head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together. So my dear friends, we find our identity, we find our unity, our oneness, ultimately our self-worth being connected to that beautiful head. That's where we all flow from. That's where the source of life itself flows from. And this unity is founded and grounded in love. This is where I want to end this morning. Everything I've presented to us, everything I've talked about is all founded in love. Without love, the scripture says, we're just a noise on the earth. It's all about love. Everything we do is for love. We're maturing in love. We're growing in love. We're called to love. Love is all we need. Love is all we need. There's some fans in the house. Love is all we need. And I know it's quite simplistic, but that's the nature of the kingdom. It's so simplistic that we go, no, but there must be more. Love is all you need. Love is the only motive that you and I need. Love is all we need. Ultimately, unity, love, these gifts, everything is found in love. If the key ingredient that welcomes and accepts diversity is unity then the key ingredient to hold this unity together is love. Love is the glue. And I'm going to finish with this. The second half of verse 16 finishes saying, when each part is working properly, this makes the whole body grow so it builds itself up in love. Our focus, dear friends, is love. Can I invite you to stand for a moment? And maybe if Veronica's still here, if you could just come and um, pad something in the background. Maybe Janair too, bro. Maybe you just want to grab the guitar. I felt to, to pray for us this morning. Well, we're going to pray together as a, as a family. The kids are going to come in in, in just a few moments um, 
in summary, this is what we've looked at. God, God freely gives us gifts from his mercy. And they're given to build, to bless, to encourage, to equip, to bring us into maturity. They're, they're expressed for unity where we can flourish and function together. The key motive is love. That's what I'm calling this all back into this morning. To walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called. And that manner is love, dear friends. To walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And that manner is love. Just want us to open our hearts and our minds and our very beings to God this morning. There often comes these defining moments in our lives when God speaks afresh to us. I know it's happened to me several times. And he keeps reminding me of one thing about being who I am. I've called you to be an encourager. I've called you to be a Barnabas. I've called you to encourage and bring life. And that's what I want to rest in. What about you? There was this defining moment for me when I, it hit me afresh. I was traveling with someone and I thought I was just going on this ministry trip carrying their bags. But God very quickly arrested my heart saying, no, I've got a purpose for you here. And you're here to encourage this church. And when I left there, they sent me this card saying, thank you for being our encourager. That's exactly who you were. And that's when God grabbed my heart to say, that's what I've called you on the planet to be. So just close your eyes. I want to encourage everyone to close their eyes. And I want to say, what about you? What is your unique contribution to this incredible family, the body of Christ? Is it a teacher? Is it one that exercises miraculous powers? Is it the gift of healing or faith or generosity or wisdom or knowledge or prophecy or kindness and care and shepherding? Are you an evangelist that you just long to tell people about Jesus? Is it mercy? Is it leadership? Something that might help confirm this to you now. This is what helped me. What does your heart beat for? What do you come alive for? There's those moments where you think, this is why I breathe. This is why I'm on the planet. This is what comes naturally. What comes naturally to you, friend? Because that quite possibly be what God has called you to be. And my encouragement now is to look for ways to be that. To be that gift that God has purposed you to be. Don't wait for others to call it out of you. Just look to bless wherever you go. I want to finish with this. The earth is our parish. Your family needs you to show up. Your friends need you to show up. This community needs you to show up. Hastings, Bexhill, St. Leonard's need you to show up in whatever shape God has fashioned you to be. So let's pray right now. If you're able, maybe extend your hands. Let's pray for the Spirit of the Lord to fill us again. Just say, Spirit of God, speak to me. Come remind me again of who I am as your son or your daughter. I feel that there's going to be an increase of anointing on some of you. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel something like pins and needles or peace. You're going to feel this confirmation again of this is who I am. I knew I was an encourager. I knew I'm one to exercise mercy. Because this is why I come alive. 
Let's just leave God some space to speak to us afresh. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come remind us. Come refresh us. Come tell us again who we are. Come bring hope. Come bring faith. I pray for faith to be birthed in our hearts again. Because we go, man, this is who I am. This is who I am. Right now, Holy Spirit, come remind us again. Some of you need energy to go again. You felt like, oh, I feel like I've dropped off the race again. And this maybe is a message for you to say, no, it's time to pick yourself up, dust yourself down, get your running boots out again and run. Pick up that gift of leadership and run. Pick up that gift of healing and run. Pick up that gift of faith and jolly well move mountains. Come, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, and speak to us this morning. I want to encourage you, dear friends, everything you are is for the glory of God, for the empowerment of others, and to see lives changed and transformed for His glory, for Jesus. That's who you are. That's who you are on the planet. That's who you are in Hastings. You're a representation of heaven itself. Wherever you go, He goes. Whatever gift and ability He's given you, He wants you to use it for His glory and to see lives transformed for His glory. So right now, Spirit of God, would you speak afresh? Would you speak afresh? Dear Lord Jesus, we love you. We love that you save us freely. We love that you share out gifts freely. We love that we can stand united through much diversity. And we love that we're going to see nations transformed because of your glory, because of your goodness. I pray that you'd continue to speak to us throughout the morning. You'd encourage us to go again. You'd confirm to us again who we are. You'd refresh us in our faith. And we say we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Steve. It's just such an encouraging word. Thank you, Santina. Can I just pray something over you, which is very appropriate because it's from Ephesians. Lord, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you will strengthen this church King's Church Hastings, with power through your spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And I pray that King's Church Hastings will be rooted and established in love and will have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that love that surpasses knowledge, and that this body, King's Church Hastings, would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the whole church and in this part of it, this church, in Christ Jesus, 
throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen, Lord. Do it according to your word. Thank you for what you have done over decades. Continue your work, Lord. Everyone, every member of this body, may they know your love and together grasp it in all its length and height and depth. And may they share it with those around in this city, in this town. I pray that for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Um, children's work's finished now, so if you'd like to pick up your children. Um, for those who don't know, that last contribution was from John Groves. John uh, was the leader of the church here for, for many years and, uh, yeah, fathered many of us on, on our journey to, to faith. So thank you for being with us today. Uh, please collect the children. Enjoy the rest of the day in the sunshine.